Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. So today we have an incredible guest. His name is Sam Nadler. I've known Sam for 20 years. We both went, oh, when we, when we realized that that's about the time I met him. Terry Weidberg was a Messianic Jewish believer in Charleston who was a friend of mine. His daughter leads worship at Elevation. That's London. London is his daughter. And um, uh, we, we were incredibly good friends, very close. Uh, Terry had Sam come in, and or, or Terry was probably, I believe you started that church, and then Terry kind of took over that, and he was doing it in his house. That's where we met, and it was in the 90s. I don't know if it was, it was between 93 and 96, so it's 20 years plus is, is how long we've known each other. And the reason I have him here, I want to give you the reason that I have him here. I have him here because the scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Another thing I was reminded of uh, earlier in the first service was that our job as believers is to make Jews jealous of our relationship with Christ so they'll repent and come back to him as believers. It's also important to understand the fact that the, the Jewish nation and Israel is close to the heart of God. He if you look at it in Scripture, it, it is, we are the ones grafted in. God loves Israel. And we need to understand how much he really does love Israel. So I have, he's going to give you some advertising, okay, a little bit about what he does and what he's got out there. But I'm going to push one thing. Hey, I'm going to push one thing. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Yeah. Um, this book right here is Messiah in the Feasts. Um, Messiah in the Feast of Israel. Now, one of the things this does, it just it helps you understand that God had a plan for everything. All the Old Testament stuff is really New Testament stuff. It was just revealed in the Old Testament, as, you know, to the New Testament, and then we just kind of carry it out. It is the feasts of Israel. It is the probably the best book that I've read about the feast that help you get a grip on uh, God's whole idea of how to throw a party. Did y'all know God loves to throw parties? He loves to party. He just wants to be invited. He wants to be why the party is being thrown, right? And so that is a great explanation. They've got these in the lobby as well. But we're going to have uh, one of the things I want to do is just make sure that we maintain a heart that God asks us to maintain in Scripture in any way that we can, Sam, any way possible. If we have the ability to, we want to make sure that we're walking in that. So let's give a big east side welcome to Sam Nadler as he comes and ministers to us. Bless you, brother. I sure hope you feel that way afterwards, <laughs> even if I have to wake you up. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much, uh, my dear brother Alex, for inviting me back. Uh, and uh, it's wonderful to see your wife uh, raised up. Wonderful to see you, my dear. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, but we want your prayers uh, because we are out on the thin end of the limb. 
uh, bring good news to places we're not invited to go. Uh, the Holy Spirit sends us, and so that's how we do our work. So we seek in prayers, and we're thankful for those in the community here who are praying for us. Uh, God is answering prayer. If you already get our newsletter, uh, we send it out every month, uh, snail mail or by email, if you want to put your email address on the envelope with that bulletin. I'll be glad to send you our, our newsletter, or you can get it through your email or a variety of other ways on Facebook and whatever else. Uh, but nonetheless, we're really thankful for prayer and that we can share answers to prayer. Uh, what a joy this past year, some of you were uh, in Israel. Isn't it great Israelis are coming to faith in Jesus? I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's the whole truth of peace in the Middle East, is the Prince of Peace. There can be no peace apart from him. There can be no peace apart from the Middle East, no peace apart from him in our country, the city as we sang, or in our hearts and families. So he is the Prince of Peace. He's in charge of it all. That being said, uh, we also saw the Lord doing amazing things. What a joy. It's hard to understand, but in Israel, a lot of things we take for granted are kind of pioneering. It's my privilege to do training uh, for all of the youth pastors of Israel. Uh, some of them, it's so new, some of them didn't understand what their calling was. To make disciples. To make disciples. That's what we're all about here. Uh, we need to be warriors in the good news wherever God has us. Uh, and then leadership training. I was privileged to be uh, able to conduct uh, training seminars for leaders in Israel uh, to see more planting going on, working with individual congregations, getting more planting going on there. Uh, and so also in England, those who get our newsletter, you're aware, open doors there. What a, what a great opportunity uh, because of the desperate need. Desperate need means we have a great opportunity uh, because we understand what the sufficiency is. That's the grace of God. And we're his instruments of that grace. Uh, so in England, you know, it was once a sending nation. They used to send missionaries all over the world. Uh, but now it's in desperate need of the good news. Uh, so pray for us. Not only were we over there this year uh, working with a particular congregation plant in London, uh, north side of London, the Jewish area there, uh, but also we're going to go back, pray. We want that open door that no man can close. So pray for a conference where more planters going out because the issue of reaching a nation is not going to be just a bunch of individuals, but it's a community because it's our love. You need to love one another. So it has to be community. That's the testimony. And so we need to have congregations planted. That's what we do uh, all over the world. In this country, we've had conferences. If you're keeping up with us, you can go to our website, wordofmessiah.org. Uh, you can get a whole lot more information, wordofmessiah.org. It's on, it's on everything. Uh, but also the free downloads to help you in your witness, your walk and worship, but also to see what God's doing everywhere in this country. This country needs not merely a political change, but a spiritual revival. And let, let's not be fooled. Let's not deceive ourselves. I get sucker punched every four years. But let's understand there has to be spiritual revival that takes place. We have to be ablaze. We have to be the kindling wood. And so we want to understand the calling that we share in this nation to the Jew first, but not to the Jew only. Turns out God loves us. He loves us all the same. 
you know. Uh, he's an equal opportunity savior, to tell you the truth. So we want to we wanna understand our calling in this matter. Uh, and as was mentioned, uh, and something we'll be sharing with you, uh, has to do with the calling that we have. The apostle to the Gentiles, uh, what you were referring to, Brother Alex, the apostle to the Gentiles said in Romans 11, verse 11, he laid out the calling for the non-Jewish believers. How many people from a non-Jewish background, you know, I got, that can confuse you because you got the king of the Jews in your heart. So you can get, from non-Jewish background, if you see what I'm saying. How many are from non-Jewish background? Raise your hand. What perfect candidates for a calling of God? Because he said in Romans 11 and 11, as you mentioned, uh, that salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous, zealous in the Greek, desirous for Jesus. Uh, and so we're going to be sharing some tools on how to fulfill our calling. My book, Messianic Foundations, goes into depth in regards to the calling we share. It's on the table out there. But we do want you praying for us. Fill out the envelope. Uh, place it, I think, in little boxy things you got on the walls going out there. Uh, and you can give it over at the table. Our literature table is over there. Some free literature, some not so free. As I mentioned, uh, everywhere I go, the best books on our table are always written by my wife. I married so beyond my pay grade. I mean, man. But her stuff is gold. Her book, uh, Eternally Desired, deals with the Jewish wedding and how Jesus uses it to speak of our relationship with him. Uh, the bridegroom cometh, that whole kind of thing there. Uh, other things on the table, your uh, interest to you and your walk and worship and all that. As was mentioned, this book was all, is out there too. And some of you rolled, I saw you. You're rolling your eyes when Alex mentioned the book, how important it is. Uh, you say, well, because you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't like to read books. Okay. We have it on DVD just for you. <laughs> you are without excuse. So the materials are there. Uh, you say, well, what if we want to contribute? Yeah, well, we are a we're totally a faith mission, totally depending upon the Lord. We plant congregations, so that gives you a hint of what I'm about to tell you. Don't give anything to our work that would take away from your giving to your home church. Your home congregation is your first priority for giving. And you'll break my heart if you give anything to word of Messiah that would take away from your giving to your home congregation. Pray for us, brother. Pray for us. Uh, as the Lord would bless you abundantly above your normal giving and lead you accordingly, we'll be thankful for your prayerful consideration of our work. But we believe in the ministry of the local congregation. It's the local congregation that reaches the community. you got to show love one for another. That's a community thing, you see. So we believe in that ministry. That's why we plant congregations everywhere, reaching out with the good news. So I believe in the work of this congregation. And I do believe you're going to be needing at least a 500-seated place, I'm just saying right now. But that being said, pray for us too, because we want to see a whole lot more like you, rip-roaring believers everywhere around the world, trusting the Lord for great and mighty things. And so pray for us, take a look at the materials, uh, all kinds of good stuff. Just fill out the envelope, place it in the boxy thing there or wherever uh, on the table. We'll be glad to uh, to know you're praying for us, and also there's a place for your prayer needs. We have teams of intercessors that are ready to pray for you. Let me tell you why. Because the apostle to the Gentiles said the gospel is to the Jew first. 
And therefore, it's the first point of attack. And we know some of you will be distracted or you know, not called to it. And that's the work of the enemy when the, when the Bible says to the Jew first. And so we, want to have, we have intercessors praying for you as well because we're in this together. There's one body of Messiah. And so anyway, uh, fill it out, put it there, uh, and uh, let us know how to be praying for you all as well. Now, that being said, uh, we want to be sharing, I think someone ripped off, no, there it is. <laughs> I almost falsely accused people of stealing my bulletin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how desperate do you have to be for Christmas gifts to steal bulletins, you know what I mean? In any case, in the bulletin or on the screen, there's going to be some scriptures pretty close to each other. You know, uh, the, the King James Version as such is an English version they used to read. The NIV is the version they now read. But I like the New American Standard, a version no one ever reads or can read. But nonetheless, I think we have the New King James on the screens. And I think that will be helpful for everyone. I'd like us to look, if we will, at John chapter 10, verse 22. I've got I, I to ask you a question on the matter here just before we read it. How many people here would want the Holy Spirit to enlighten them on some new truth? Ooh, yeah. I understand that. How many people would want that if you knew he wouldn't reveal it unless you committed yourself to following it? He ain't going to reveal anything to people who ain't going to follow. Otherwise, he'll just be casting pearls before you know what. That being said, let's take a look. We'll just look at this one verse before we pray. Read it with me. Read, read this verse with me, if you will. Now, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Father, we understand that winter's coming, but we don't always understand the, the fullness of your seasons. Uh, and we know the reason for the season, or how we praise his name and bless his name. But we don't always understand all the details uh, that's involved in your will. So help us grow into the fullness of knowledge uh, that you may expand our borders as we grow to the glory of your name and even for the maturity of worship we see in this congregation. We pray you might give the increase even to that, uh, that we might not only as worshipers thereby be, our wit be your witnesses, but also help us to grow that the witness of this community will go to the uttermost parts of the earth, even as they pray for us uh, in, in fellowship. So we ask for your blessing now that we might understand uh, the word of God. So we ask even now, we yield ourselves that the uh, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, he might fill us, uh, that we might be illuminated to the truth of the word, the very word that he inspired in the writing of scripture. We pray as well that as we are yielded to the living word of God, uh, we pray that that same Holy Spirit would not only enlighten our minds, but empower us to live it out that the name of our God and Savior would be exalted, that your people would be built up in the holy faith, and the gospel would go forward to all we there is to hear, to the Jew first and equally to the Gentile. For it's in the name of our Savior we pray. Amen, amen, amen. And so as you take a look at this, I just want to note 
for you that many people, even reading the Gospel of John, as popular as that is, quite often they can skip over verses that don't seem to have a you know, whole lot of, it's not in red and things like that. And so they might skip over some, some of the details here, you see. And so when you look at it, it says, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place. It was winter, verse 23 says, and Jesus was walking in the temple, the portico of Solomon, there by the teaching areas, by the temple. And so Jesus was there in Jerusalem. He was observing part of what was going on, the Feast of Dedication, the word dedication. The word Hanukkah means dedication. It was the Feast of Hanukkah. Some of you may have heard that being mentioned. You may not know much about it. That, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, but we want to understand that Jesus observed it. Jesus celebrated it. And we'll understand just why he did that and why he would expect us to do it too. You say, who brought this crazy Jewish guy here? Well, uh, let's just hope it's the Holy Spirit. That's all I can tell you. Uh, otherwise, I'm wasting your time and mine. Uh, but understand that the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, the word Hanukkah means dedication. Uh, the word Hanukkah, to dedicate, it means to make narrow, to make narrow. Uh, how many know Proverbs 22, verse 6? Train up your child in the way it should go, right? Amen? Train up. Dedicate. Hanukkah. You're narrowing his focus. You're narrowing your child. You're saying, this is the life to lead, son. This is the life to lead. Don't go to the right or the left. We're focusing you. We're dedicating you. So we want to understand Hanukkah. Now, if we go back in time a little bit about about 200 years before Jesus said these words, 168 B.C., we have the evil king of Syria uh, who was trying to make the whole world worship him. His name was Antiochus Epiphany. You say, that's a mouthful. Uh, Antiochus, uh, all the cities that were named Antioch, he started them because he wanted everyone to talk about him. Uh, and he, he claimed the name Epiphanes uh, because it means God manifested, an epiphany, you see. Uh, so he really thought well of himself, and therefore he didn't like any competing worship. And so when he conquered Judea, when he conquered uh, Jerusalem, he defiled and desecrated the temple so it would be useless for worship. He defiled and desecrated the temple in Jerusalem so it could not be used for worship. That's what the enemy wants to do for us as well. He wants to desecrate your life. He wants to turn the treasure into trash. He wants you to trash your life so you will not be an instrument of worship. And if, you're, if you don't got the worship, you ain't got the warfare, amen? And so we want to understand, Jesus came to make a difference. You say, what do you mean? He had, after that evil king desecrated uh, just ruined that temple. Three years later, things changed. Why? He tried to outlaw genuine worship. Can you believe such a thing? Could never happen in our country, could it? <laughs> My brothers and sisters, we better be prepared to speak truth to power, to have the right to bring the truth to the powerless. Let's understand the calling that we have here. But nonetheless, at the very same time when the outlawed genuine faith, Bible faith, a bunch of Bible believers were raised up by God. They're called the Maccabees. 
hammerers. Man, they came down like a sledgehammer. And therefore, they started a grassroots revolt. All these Bible believers got together, and God's great miracle took place there. What miracle? This ragtag, thrown-together group of Bible believers they were used by God to be able to remove the greatest army of the day, the Syrian army that had conquered the whole Middle East. He, had used, he used his little ragtag group to throw out the Syrians. They recaptured Jerusalem and the temple, and they rededicated it to God. That's Hanukkah. It took place on the 25th of December, or Kislev as we say in Hebrew. You say, what? That's why scholars actually think that early, in the 3rd, 4th century, 5th century, they started looking for dates when to settle on for, for Messiah's birthday party. They took the 25th of December because of Hanukkah. Uh, because you say, what do you mean? Jesus came to rededicate the temple. Jesus came to take a desecrated temple and to cleanse us that we might be instruments of praise, that we might be, you know, you've been bought with a price, you are not your own. The Spirit of God indeed makes you into a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, to be a holy temple, you have to be a cleansed temple. There has to be dedication. You say, well, this time of year we're thinking about Christmas. Well, I understand that. Man, we praised him about the virgin birth, but remember, it's a dual miracle kind of celebration. Not only a virgin birth, but God come in the flesh. I mean, virgin birth would be enough right there, you think. <laughs> but he, 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 he makes it all different. The God, the Son, the Son of God came in the flesh. How can you not celebrate? Well, you can't. The problem with celebration, it depends on dedication. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Hanukkah. And for many of us who love the word of God and love the living word, of course, we may be taken back at that because the whole issue of Hanukkah seems foreign or alien to our thinking as believers. We just don't see it as relevant. Well, even as my dear brother Alex mentioned, as Apostle Paul said, Romans 11, 11, that the Gentile believers have a calling. Every single one of them, he said, has a calling to make the Jewish people jealous for Jesus. And therefore, one of the tools is the festivals, the very feast that God has. Because when you use those festivals, you're going to be communicating the way people can understand it. And therefore, Hanukkah is what God had in there, why Jesus observed it. Because it speaks so much of his work in cleansing the temple and rededicating us to holy worship. And so we want to understand the tools the Bible gives us, the New Testament gives us, that we might fulfill our calling to make the Jewish people jealous, to make Israel jealous, as Paul wrote for us all. And so as we understand that, we want to take a look. Because after that temple was rededicated, from that point on, the Maccabees, Judah Maccabee, he was the leader of the group. Uh, who, who, who cleansed that, who de, you know, defeated the enemy by the glory, to the glory of God, by the power of God. I mean, just a ragtag group. And he was now thought of as like the George Washington. He was like the George Washington. And every Hanukkah, you know, I always felt so bad for my neighbors who were, and I grew up in an intensely Jewish area, and you can't tell because I, I've been living here so long, I'm like a southern gentleman already. So, you know, it's hard to tell. But I grew up in New York, an intensely Jewish area. I felt so bad for, for my neighbors who, 
you know, uh, who celebrate. They only had one day of Christmas. Hanukkah's eight days. We get gifts eight days. I was thinking, boy, those poor people are so short-changed. But you can enjoy it too. You say, well, why? Because if you don't understand dedication, how can you have celebration? Now, listen, you're not going to have any greater celebration than you have dedication. And that's why Hanukkah is something that the believing church, I, I know the Christendom has all kinds of stuff going on. But I know those people who want to follow the word of God as a lamp unto our feet, as a light on our path. We want to know what the word says and your calling gets fulfilled. Uh, by the way, this is something we all are involved in. And so dedication, Hanukkah, every year is meant to reorient the believers. Why? Because dedication leads to celebration. If you somehow go through the facade, the facade of celebration without dedication, man, you say, well, what do you mean? Well, some people might come to a place like, well, listen, you come here, you better get happy. <laughs> this is a place of joy, a place of worship. But do not be fooled by the externals. Do not be fooled. You may come here and say, well, if I just, you know, kind of worship, uh, I kind of get my hands going here a little bit, you know, and kind of do my thing here and kind of get loud about it all, then maybe I'll kind of be a happy person. Don't, don't, don't be foolish. You're putting the cart before the horse here. You say, well, what do you mean? It's because there is fellowship, there is worship. In other words, if you don't have fellowship with the living God, you can't have worship of God. And therefore, it's not just a matter of doing the externals, you see. It's got to be a heart thing, and that's the whole deal that Jesus is going to talk about in just about a moment as we move right along here. And so we want to appreciate, you say, is this important? Yeah, well, the whole issue that Antiochus Epiphanes dude, he was prophesied in Daniel's chapter 7 and chapter 8. And that's why Jesus spoke of that man. You know, he desecrated the temple, as I noted before. That is called the, the, uh, the abomination of desolations. This is what Jesus referred to in Matthew 24, 15. And so this was a common teaching in the first century while the apostles lived. Starting in the second century, when tradition started to come into place, a lot of believers didn't understand their calling. They gave up on that, didn't have the tools to fulfill it. And so we want to get back to the word of God, you see. And so this was something normal in the first century, what we all understand now. And so that's the backstory on Hanukkah. Now let's get down to the applicational issues, if we may. Verse 24, Matthew, uh, John chapter uh, 10, verse 24, then the Jews surrounded him. Uh, by the way, when you see in your translations and it says Jews, uh, that's generally in the, in the original language, it's Judeans. He was in Judea at this time. Uh, and then when the Jews or Judeans surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, the Christ, the word Christ means Messiah. If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. You know, you say, well, what do you mean? This was a typical question. Every Hanukkah, they were looking for another Maccabee. They, they, they went from being under the Syrian bondage occupation to being under Roman occupation, under the Roman heel. And then they didn't have much freedom from the Syrian uh, debacle until they came, then the Romans came in like a flood. And so, therefore, they're under the Roman heel. And every year, they would be looking at Hanukkah for another George Washington of Hanukkah, another Judah Maccabee, 
Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? You're going to be the Savior to deliver us from this bondage. You see, that was a typical question, and therefore John is reflecting the very state of things at the time. And so you might think, well, that's kind of a simple question. It'd be a short Bible. He just has to say yes. <laughs> Are you the Messiah? Sure am. Sure am. Yeah, what a simple thing. But we find in verse 25, notice what Jesus says in verse 25. He says here, I told you and you do not believe. Jesus, why don't you just say yes? Make it simple. Get, get, move it right along here. We got things to do here. No, he doesn't say yes. You know why? They had a bad idea about the word Messiah. They had a bad idea about Savior. They thought of a political warrior. They didn't think of someone's going to deliver them from the bondage of sin. And therefore, if he said yes, that would have fed in and reinforced their bad idea what Messiah meant. And so you want to understand what he is saying here and for our sake as well. So he says here, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. They didn't believe the words, they didn't believe the works. That was going to be the testimony of the living God. You know, it's not what you say, it's what you do, you know? So also for us, we don't just talk a good game. <laughs> we got to live it out, don't we? We got to go love a bunch of people, don't we? That's really the whole uh, taste test right there of the Spirit of God in our midst. And so we want to understand something. He, why does he do it that way? Because they would have had a wrong idea. He was trying to help them understand something. Because they would need more faith in him than they had loyalty to the Maccabees. See, the Maccabees, wonderful heroes. We're, we're wonderful heroes, just like George Washington, etc. you know? Great heroes. But they had a little simpler job. See, the Maccabees, Judah Maccabee can simply say something along the lines of, look, the problem is out there. See the Syrians? You see what they did to our temple? The problem is external. You got that? That You're okay. The prob your problems are external. We got to work on that. And going to have all kinds of fear mongering that's going to want you to see issues of being external. Jesus wasn't like that. He came to let us know something. Your problem is internal. It's a problem of sin in the soul. And therefore, it requires much more loyalty to Jesus than it did to the Maccabees. Because Jesus is going to say, it's, going, it's your internal issues. That's why when Jesus comes into your life, things start from the inside out. Amen. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the, Lord, in the world. Amen? First John 4, 4. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? Amen. So you want to understand it starts from the inside out. The problem is within you. God wants to do a work in your heart so that you have that fellowship that then is expressing itself in worship that becomes our great tools in the warfare for the living God. And so we want to appreciate what's going on here because it was a victory that Jesus was going to bring to the lives of his people that they could not understand. See, the Syrians were a short-term victory. <laughs> we got rid of them. Somebody else, it was a short, and many people are looking for pretty short-term fixes rather than eternal help. So what Jesus gives us the victory the Maccabees could not. He demands more loyalty because he gives a greater victory. He gives a greater victory to the people of God because he lets us know that he is our Savior. He's our Savior from God. And if you're going to have dedication, the first point of dedication is going to be dedicating yourself to the Savior. Yeah. 
That's where it starts. You say, well, I want to get on to the happy stuff. It starts there. It starts with that matter. And if you've gotten away from that, and you're no longer looking to him as your savior, there may be all kinds of desecration that has come into the temple. All kinds of influences from this world. All kinds of pressures you may be under. All kinds of issues of shame and guilt and I don't know what that may have desecrated the temple along the way. That's why we got to renew, rededicate our temple that we might indeed be cleansed and be an instrument of worship. And so we want to understand he's got to be a savior to, from God for us to have that victory that he brings. But it's a victory the world can't understand. They look external. God says it starts internal. And that's the first point of our study here. As we move along, let's move along if we might. We're going to be jumping around a little bit here. I don't mean to, to confuse anyone, you know. Uh, in any case, uh, John chapter 10, verse 26. John 10, verse 26. It says there, but you do not believe. Why? He explains why. He explains why people do not believe. Because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. You say, what? Yeah, that's why you don't believe. If you're sitting here right now because someone dragged you here against your will, uh, be, be stronger about these things. Don't be so weak-willed. But nonetheless, uh, you want to understand that the thing why you can't get your head around is because you're not his sheep. Uh, that's why you can't believe. And so you want to understand that matter. You say, well, what do you mean? It takes faith. See, it's a matter of trust. We, we sang about it. It's so easy to sing about, isn't it? <laughs> but it's the doing it, it's the trusting in the situation when you're tempted to lie and you don't. When you're tempted to cheat on your spouse and you don't. You know, what do you mean cheat on my spouse? When, when you go into internet porn, you're cheating on your spouse or cheating on your family and you don't. Why is that? Because you have faith, you have trust. God, I believe you. I believe right now in you and therefore this is displeasing to you. I'm not going to do that. You say, well, why? well, what do you mean here? You see, it is the confession of our faith as the people of God, as his sheep of his pasture. <laughs> it's the confession of our faith. It's not the color of our fleece. I'm a Jewish guy. You say, are they all so good looking? Well, not all. I'm one of those Jewy Jews. So even if the flies die... You know, uh, uh, I, may not, I may not take part in some of the barbecue. Just saying, I'm one of those Jewy Jews. You know, you, you're more for you, I know that. But nonetheless, it's not a matter of me being Jewish. See, we are a family in the Messiah by our confession of faith in him, not by the color of our fleece. This is what the world has to hear. But understand what Jesus is saying. Let's understand what he's saying. He's a savior from God, but now he presents himself as a shepherd to God. You got that? He's a savior from God. That's the first point. In order to be our shepherd to God. You see that? And so we want to understand from verse 26, go on to 27 now. In verse 27, he says, my sheep, hear my voice. I know this. Listen, there's a lot of voices out there. A lot of influences. There's all kinds of spirits in this world. But the spirit that is from God confesses that Jesus is Lord. Jesus came, God came in the flesh. This is how you can discern. So be careful to all the voices you open up. The counterfeits are going to be very similar. 
So be very careful about counterfeits. So you want to understand the voice of the Lord and be careful about that. But nonetheless, it says, and I know them. He knows me. Now, let me tell you something. Some of you may get to know me and not want to talk to me. I mean, sometimes I don't feel good, very good about myself either. He knows me and loves me. There's things about my life I can't stand, but he can't stand to be without me. He knows. What a Savior. What a, isn't he wonderful? He knows me. Isn't that glorious? Great glory to God. And they follow me. You get that? Now listen, verse 26, faith. What do you mean? Follow. Faith always leads to following. So we don't just talk a good game. Our worship is then transformed into witness. We therefore, this is the holy huddle where we're getting the game plan. <laughs> Empowerment by the Holy Spirit that we might go out there and live out the game plan. Uh, with, with, to the glory of God, obviously, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, that the gospel might go. That's why we want you praying for us. We want to be going back to places we're not invited. Because we believe the gospel is needed there. So pray for us. And you're going to say, why waste my time? Because God cares about those areas. Uh, we had a planters conference in Brooklyn, New York. You say, well, who in his right mind would go to Brooklyn? Turns out you don't have to be in your right mind. I went. But God has not given up on the Northeast, even though I'm a refugee from the Northeast. God has not given up on the Northeast. And while there's breath, there is hope. And so we want to understand the very calling that God has for us. Those who believe are those who are going to behave. Those with faith are those who will follow. Everything else is just talk. Everything else is just externals. And so you want to understand the next verse. It says there, it goes on from there. It says, and I give them eternal life. What a gift. I give them eternal life. Isn't God good? And they shall never perish. You believe God's word? Yeah. Will you ever perish? No. I want you to be thinking about that. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16, the fear of death has been removed. Yeah. Believers don't have a fear of death. And therefore, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And therefore, we live by faith in the Son of God because we have eternal life. We have eternal life, and we will never perish, never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Oh, my goodness. Let me just mention to you my eternal life. I'm never going to perish. Now, listen, I'm not getting any younger. 20 years? I must have been a mere child. <laughs> I must have had some color in my face, in my beard or something, man, or some hair in my head. 20 years. Any case, you may hear that, you know, Sam Nather kicked it. That's it. He died. Don't you believe them? <laughs> I am more alive than ever. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll be dancing before the throne. I'll be blessing his name with joy unspeakable. So do not believe when they say Sam Nadler died. Oh, no. It's just a death for a believer. It's just a doorway to glory. And therefore, we have no fear of death. Why? Because he has given us eternal life. And therefore, we have such value, such value to God. No one says... 
No one will be able to snatch me out of his hand. Isn't that good news? Now you listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Now listen. God's so good. Now listen. Some of you are going to be worshiping the Lord uh, through uh, uh, Panther football this afternoon. I, I understand that. A big worship time. You got to pray hard for them. But uh, uh, <laughs> you put a football in my hand, it might be worth five bucks. Maybe. You put a football in Cam's hand, and it's worth millions. That's the difference about whose hands you're in. My life in my hands ain't worth five bucks. My life in Jesus' hands. I have value. I am an instrument of grace and glory. I am a treasure before the Lord. He is well pleased with the righteousness of God and Messiah for my life. He therefore is del delighted with my fellowship. Understand my life in Jesus' hands. No one can snatch me out of his hands. And so you say, well, uh, what if I believe in Cam Newton? Ain't going to help you much. Doesn't seem to be helping Cam. But I do know your life in the hands of Jesus. That is joy unspeakable. That's what makes the difference. But you need to understand what Jesus is teaching us here. He is the Savior from God in order that he might be our shepherd to God. And so by faith, listen, you go to following. You got that in verse 27? You go to assurance. You want assurance in your life. You want to get off that roller coaster spiritual trip you're on and get to growing and glowing in the glory of God. You want to know what that is. You go from faith to following to the assurance you have in the eternal life of God. This is what he gives. You see, Paul's the Maccabees. First of all, he, the Lord Jesus demands a greater, a much greater loyalty because he gives us a greater victory. But understand what he says here. We have a greater victory, not a short-term kind of thing that the Maccabees get. We have eternal life. He gives greater victory because he gives us a greater security. No one can take us out of his hands. We are secure in the Lord. We are confident believers, more than conquerors. And even though I'm an old man, you ain't seen nothing yet. Man, I must decrease so he might increase. Oh, boy. And therefore, I am not worried. I'm not worried about old age. It just means less of me and more of him. Glory to God. Don't you fear old age. You say, well, does that mean, what do you mean? You don't have to wear that toupee anymore. It's okay. It's all right. God loves you. But nonetheless, you want to understand that matter. So you want to appreciate the whole thing that Jesus is doing. You say, well, Brother Sam, I, I don't quite get that because you're saying he's the Savior from God, yeah, uh, and therefore he's the shepherd to God, yeah. But I got, I got a, couple of, a couple of days on my hands here. I got some time on my hands here. What about while I'm still here? Let's read on what the Bible says, verse 29 and 30. John 11, verse 29 and 30. It says, my father who has given them to me. See, we're his gift. We're, you're talking about a Hanukkah gift. Well, we're a gift, aren't we? My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You say, well, what was he referring to? Everyone who, everyone who was there with him knew. The very next verse says they picked up stones to stone him with. They knew he was declaring himself to be none other than God come in the flesh, the Son of God. He who has seen me, he says in John 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father. 
And so we understand exactly what he's saying here. Listen, the reason you're secure in Jesus, the reason that you have confidence in him, is because he and the Father are one. And you want to understand that that is the key to your life. That's the key to everything. You know, we often say in our, we do messianic congregation things. Some of you mentioned you came and visited some of the works we got going on in the area as well. How many people visited uh, over uh, down the Ballantine area? We have our, there's the righteous remnant. She's sitting right over there. God bless you for that. And you'll hear us say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I and the Father, there's only one God. Now, mysteriously, he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But don't not be fooled. You know Jesus, you know, you got the whole deal. You got the fullness of God in him. You are therefore complete in him. And so we want to understand the matter. See, what he's saying here, not only, not only is he the Savior from God, and to be our shepherd to God. But he is the son of God. So understand the issues that he's laying out here. You say, why is it I'm so weak? Well, you have to look at the Lord. You have to run this race with endurance looking unto Jesus. This is what the Jewish people need to hear about. When they're surrounded by enemies in Israel and even anti-Semitism is all over Europe. Uh, I get beat up in Berlin by Palestinians preaching the God because I'm a Jew. Because I'm a Jew. Even though anti-Semitism is outlawed in Germany, but they don't want backlash from the Muslims, so they don't enforce the laws when they persecute us. And so pray for us, brethren, but understand the issue. I am not afraid. I've got a spirit of fear. I press on to the mark because I know who is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And so, therefore, I understand the power of the gospel, the power of what the Holy Spirit brings to the table here. And, therefore, you're going to have failure in your life when you try to measure the circumstances of your life with what you bring to the table. But when you know the Son of God and the power that he has in the resurrection from the dead, you're going to be be more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And therefore, you're going to measure your circumstances by the size of your God. This is what makes the difference. That's the only thing, because the Father is greater than all. You say, well, what do you mean? I was talking to an Orthodox Jew I mentioned earlier. I was, I was witness. I witnessed six days a week. I'm with my side of the family. On Sunday, I'm asking for prayer for the other six days, you know. I was talking to an Orthodox Jew about the Lord, about Jesus, our Messiah, you see. Uh, And he said, well, I can never buy into that. I can never believe that. I said, what do you mean? I can never believe, he said, in an eternal son of God. How can I believe an eternal son of God? I said, well, hold on a second. Do you believe that uh, God is our father, that he's the eternal father? It says in the Hebrew scriptures, aviad, the eternal father. Do you believe he's Aviad, the eternal father? He said, well, of course I do. That's what Torah teaches. I said, well, if he's the eternal father, he's got to have an eternal son. Because even before creation, he was the eternal father. And therefore, there was always that love connection going on. And that's why you've got to understand love is the greatest of these. Because God is love. And that was going on in the relationship between father and son that we now have as our testimony as well. And he, didn't hurt, he never heard that. He said, I'm going to have to think about this, aren't I? I said, well, I, ba- I imagine so. Some of us might have to as well. Because you see, he is the son of God. He's not just some messenger boy from heaven. 
And why does he give us what he gives us? Well, I know he demands a greater loyalty than the Maccabees because he gives us a greater victory. And I know that he gives us greater security. But that's because he has greater authority. And so the whole issue of your confidence is going to be based upon his authority. When you recognize him as the son of God, therefore you have confidence in him. To be an instrument of grace and love and kindness and forgiveness. You say, forgiveness, I pray this week you will be terribly maligned. That people say all sorts of nasty things about you. Why? So you will then demonstrate the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the kindness of God. That you'll be a light in the darkness and fulfill your calling. Even as you're witnessing to Jewish people and others as well. Remember, it's to the Jew first. Don't get too excited. Forget the other people. It's to the Jew first, but not to the Jew only. And so we want to make them jealous, but we have a love gift that's for everybody. So we want to appreciate the very calling uh, that we share together in him. Because he provides a greater security, we have greater confidence. And therefore, we're more than conquerors because of who he is, the Son of God. Let's understand what we learned a little bit, how we can move forward in this matter. You got it? First of all, Savior from God. You got that? Greater victory. It's internal. You got to deal with that first before it's external. You got it? So we want to understand God God in your heart. He hears your thoughts. He hears your heart. And therefore, you want to give your heart to him and recognize what areas in my life have become a little tarnished. What areas in my life become desecrated? What influences have I given myself over to that I've lied or I've kind of cheated a little bit or hated people in my heart, a little heart anger, a little heart murder there, you know? What areas of my life have I given myself over to in that regard? And those are the areas you want to dedicate to him. You know why? Because there can't be in those areas any celebration until there's dedication. And God wants to have you celebrating in every area of your life that you might rejoice in him always. So he wants you to turn those areas over to him. Why? It's the Feast of Dedication. Pray for us. We're having Hanukkah all month long. Last Yesterday, we had a big Hanukkah outreach to women. My wife led this big sisterhood. We call it women's ministry, sisterhood ministry, outreach to women. We're having a big youth ministry, a Hanukkah youth ministry this coming weekend. Pray for us. At the end of the year, New Year's Eve, we're having a Hanukkah dedication for, to dedicate for the coming year. We got a lot of stuff going on right around here and around the world. We want you praying because we're in this together. This one body. We're in this. We need to dedicate ourselves as a community, as a people of God, to care for one another and love one another and care and encourage one another, that we might be his testimony here and around the world. And if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, you may be a visitor, or maybe you've gone through ceremonies, Christian ceremonies, and you think that makes you a Christian. You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. No ceremony can make you a, a believer. It's by faith in Jesus Faith, then he'll empower you to follow that you might have that assurance. You got it? Let's pray. Our God and Father, we are so thankful because of your great love for us. It goes beyond any words we can have. This, and that's why we need all of eternity to praise you. And so we thank you, Lord, for loving us so fully, so freely, forever. But we also want our lives to bring honor to your name. Not only to fulfill our own lives. Oh, that seems so self-serving. But you want us to be fulfilled in you. Even as we desire to fulfill our calling that Jesus may be glorified. 
And so even now, yield our life to him. And we're here, and Lord, even though our eyes are closed, our hearts are open to you. And if indeed we have not yet personally trusted in Jesus, even now, Lord, we want to yield our heart to him. I'm going to close with a little prayer right now. Our eyes are closed, our, our hearts are open. If you're here and you've never personally trusted, use this prayer sincerely in your heart to yield your heart, dedicate your heart, so to speak, trust in him. And if you're already a believer, use the same prayer to, to rededicate. Have Hanukkah right now in your heart that you might be dedicated to him, that you might be able to celebrate him in every area, whatever areas. Don't bring him glory now. Even so, pray with me this prayer. God hears your heart. In your heart, dear God, forgive me for my pride, my arrogance. Forgive me for my fears, for my anger. Forgive me for my habits. Cleanse my sins away through the blood of Jesus and dedicate me to the glory of your name. Well, everyone's eyes are closed in prayer. Everyone else's eyes closed in prayer. I want to pray for you right where you are. If you prayed that prayer with me, to have Jesus be your Savior right here and now, to place your faith simply, sincerely upon him as your Savior right where you are, I want you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you right where you are. If you prayed that prayer for me for that purpose, yeah, I see your hands. I do. Lord, you see hands, you see heart. You see us, you know us, and you love us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Even now confirm to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, not only the fullness of your love, but the truth of our eternal salvation. And knit our hearts together in such love that we'll be your instrument of grace and good news to the Jew first and equally to the Gentile. For we declare you are the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, there's a place on this envelope I want you to note what you did, whether it was the first time, place your faith in Jesus as your Savior, or to rededicate your life. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And I know my dear brother Alex wants to pray for you. He wants to encourage you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord as we live dedicated lives uh, in Jesus. God bless you. Shalom. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.